Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. A Tiny Revolution features adults having adult conversations, which means adult language is probably going to be present. Just so you know. This episode of A Tiny Revolution is brought to you in collaboration with Studio Headphones, a dope headphone and earphone company that is changing the game. Carefully engineered by their designer with the consumer's preference in mind, their timeless designs are suitable for every single occasion. Whether you're listening to music on the way to a black tie event or you're just palling around with your friends on a sunny day wearing shorts and a polo, no matter where you are, what you're doing, a studio sound piece will be your elegant companion. Head on over to studiosweden.com slash US. That's studio, S-U-D-I-O, Sweden dot com slash us and browse their collection of wireless earphones studio quality headphones and more and if you find something you like use offer code revolution 15 to get 15 percent off of your purchase studio designing your sound experience we You're listening to A Tiny Revolution, a podcast celebrating our everyday victories while telling the stories and having the conversations that actually matter. I'm Kevin Garcia, and welcome back to another episode of A Tiny Revolution. I am thrilled that you're here, thrilled you're hanging out with me, and I'm so excited to share this conversation with you like I am every freaking week because I get to talk to amazing people. That's part of the gig, and I actually, I was thinking about this, like, how lucky am I that um, I have amazing supporters like you who listen to this, who help fund this work, and I'm just continually blown away by your generosity. So thank you so much. But before I jump into telling you who I'm talking to today, um, I just want to give you some updates on some events coming up. Um, Like I said, fall is finally starting to kick up, and I've got a lot of stuff coming up. September 2nd, I'm going to be in Seattle, Washington, and I'm teaming up with my friend Matthias Roberts to do some kind of event. What that event is, neither one of us know, but as soon as we do, as soon as we have a couple of things nailed down, we'll be sure to let you know. Either way, um, you can mark your calendars. I think it's going to be dope. Maybe we'll just be hanging out at a coffee shop or a brewery or something. Maybe it'll be some form of a workshop, maybe some sort of keynote event. I don't know, but I'm excited either way so why don't you keep your eyes peeled mark your calendars for september 2nd and i'll see you in seattle um the next thing coming up jump forward to october the gcn youth retreat i finally have details and i'm so excited i'm gonna be leading worship at this retreat for youth and as someone who is formerly a youth minister and worked in that world i'm so excited to be ministering to youth again and working with them so i'm excited to to share that with you it's october 13th through the 15th at bear creek camp in pennsylvania and honestly it's going to be a dope time my friends emmy kegler who has been on the podcast before and my friend austin hartke who's been on the podcast before are also speaking there at the youth retreat so i'm just like could this weekend get any better i don't really know so if you are a youth listening to this if you are a parent of an lgbtq child or you know lgbtq youth who would benefit from a weekend like this get them to this event 
Let's pack it out. Let's make it an incredible experience. And you can also check out um, Facebook for a lot of people are raising money to make this a really powerful event. So go ahead and donate some money to make this thing better than it could ever possibly be. And you can get all the information at GCNYouthRetreat.com. And then shortly after that, I'm going to be going to the Reformation Project National Conference like I do every single year. And every single year, the lineup just continues to blow my mind of the amazing people who get to speak there. Um, it's October 26th through the 28th. It's in Chicago. And speakers include folks like the Reverend Jarrell Wilson, Alicia Johnston, and also Austin Hartke. Um, and today's podcast guest, Alicia Crosby, and more and more people just keep getting added. So why don't you go over to reformationproject.org slash Chicago, get registered, get all the information on hotels, and I'll see you in Chicago in October. That's it as far as announcements are concerned about things going on, but let's talk about my friend Alicia Crosby. I think what's funny about being in queer Christian world is that we often know each other through the internet um, and, and, and interact with each other as well before we actually meet in real life. And then we meet in real life and it's like, wait, have we met in real life yet? I don't know. And that's how it happened with my friend Alicia Crosby. We met at GCN this past year. And honestly, we looked at each other and was like, have we met in real life before? I don't know. And then we kind of giggled. And then um, we both had to run off to do our separate things. Um, But I'm so grateful that she sat down with me to share a bit about her life and her work with this podcast. And also, like, again, like, have a mild therapy session because that's what these conversations are for me. So a little bit about her. Alicia Crosby has always been the type of person to color outside the lines, a trait that comes in handy as co-founder and executive director of the Center for Inclusivity, or CFI, located in Chicago. Her passions for justice, spirituality, engaged activism, and community engagement led her to pursue an MA in social justice and a certificate in nonprofit management and philanthropy at Loyola University, Chicago. She also has a BA in interdisciplinary studies from Hollins University. Through experiences within religious, social service, and community empowerment context, and her navigation of the world as a queer black woman, Alicia saw a need to address the spiritual, systematic, and interpersonal harm people experience through the promotion of inclusion and equity for all people through her work. She's proud that CFI is a place where people can bring the fullness of who they are forward and find community that gives them life. She is such an incredible human, and I'm stoked to be sharing our conversation with you today. So as per usual, grab a beverage of whatever kind you prefer and enjoy this talk with my friend, Alicia Crosby. I guess like demographically, Alicia Crosby is a 30-year-old Black woman um, who's queer identified and pansexual Mm. from New York. Cool. Um, I moved to Chicago, though, nearly three years ago to start grad school. So I got a master's in social justice and um, a certificate in nonprofit management and philanthropy. Mm -hmm. Um, So um, that's actually what brought me to Chicago is I decided to to pick up my life and pursue justice um, full time in my studies. And then halfway through. Um, I started a nonprofit with a friend because wow. that's what you do when you're in grad school. You just, <laughs> but not really. <laughs> yeah, you just started a nonprofit because yeah, just, just you, you have all that extra time and energy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and what is uh, what is your nonprofit? It's Center for Inclusivity. So um, the friend that I mentioned, I started this with, is Jason Bilbrey. Um, it who... sounds so familiar. I feel like I know what you're going to say, and then I'm going to be like, Oh my gosh, that was you. 
Mm-hmm. So Jay actually um, formerly worked at the Marin Foundation. Yeah. Yeah. And... Okay. This makes so much sense. I know exactly. I know. I know who you are now. <laughs> and so, um, so yeah. And Jay and I actually met in 2015. Mm-mm, nope. 2014 when I first moved here. Mm-hmm. Um, I was doing research. um on queer youth and their religious families mm-hmm. and looking at ways that their conservative religious families specifically mm-hmm. could employ a theopraxis of love. So like, what does it mean if like your theological praxis mm-hmm. um, is lived out in love versus whatever the hell it actually is for a number of these kids who are experiencing religious trauma and, and, and abuse. Right. Um, and yeah, so I, in me doing this project, that's how I ended up meeting Jay. We, um, in my research, I reached out to a number of organizations, universities, um, shelters who worked with queer youth, um, Marin being one of them. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, like we sat down and talked about like, you know, what was out there around like religious families, like, and, and young people, um, who were queer identified, just seeing like, you know, just what the landscape looked like in terms of research. Mm-hmm. We vibed really well when he left the organization, um, we had a sit down and we talked about what would it mean to start a, a nonprofit mm-hmm. whose mission on heart was to create space where we could explore inclusion of sexual and gender minorities from a faith perspective, but that was multi-faith and also included communities mm-hmm. or people who were of not any faith, who didn't have a faith tradition. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, we started CFI in May of 2015 and we're going into year Two of operation. Wow. Yo, that is so nuts to me. Mm-hmm. Like, and I love, I love that. Because mm-hmm. like, what, like, what does it mean for someone to have a theopraxis of love? Mm-hmm. Even, even, I guess like, regardless of like, what you, where you fall, like theologically speaking, mm-hmm. um, what does it look like to still have that presence? So like, when you're talking to individuals to youth Mm -hmm. to parents of youth um Mm -hmm. like what like how how do you explain this whole thing to them like like what's Um, like what's like the general approach i mean just kind of i mean it's pretty simple it's like just what you said like what does it mean like regardless of like your ideology Mm -hmm. where you fall like what your theology is on on what it means to be lgbtq what does it mean for people to be in relationships to be partnered Mm -hmm. regardless of all that what does it mean for you to live out a theology of love. What does it mean to care for folks? Mm-hmm. Um, the beautiful thing is in the work that we do with the center, um, to be honest with you, because we are an organization that does work from a multi-faith perspective, more often than not, because we're affirming, like we speak to populations that are working towards inclusion on their end, mm-hmm. and they already are affirming. I mean, mm-hmm. definitely we want to have more of these conversations like within people, with people who are within conservative spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, when given the opportunity, that's what I ask is, you know, what is love and how do you act out of that? Yeah. Like if this is like your tradition, whether that tradition be Islam or, mm-hmm. or Christianity or Judaism and like love or, or commitment in, in relationship in terms of what it means to be community, like what does it mean to live out those, those practices? Um, have you ever worked with like a, a population that I was like, kind of like describing like my church where like, they are kind towards LGBTQ plus people, mm-hmm. but they are uh, not doing anything to like let them say, or they're limiting their participation in uh, the religious 
community? Mm-hmm. Um, we've dealt honestly a little bit less with those organizations just because of how like mm-hmm. openly affirming and progressive we are. Because mm-hmm. people, um, people just don't want to mess with you. Really. We're not necessarily invited into those spaces. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes and sense. And it's not that we we wouldn't like relish the opportunity to work with them. Um, but like, again, when like you like post on your website, like, Hey, we've talked about like non-monogamy folks get a little bit scared of you because they're afraid of like sliding down the quote unquote slippery slope. And they don't quite know what you're, you're going to bring to the table when you get there. We've had a lot more contact with people who are LGBTQIA identified folks who are openly affirming of those populations. And some who like, you know, question when we're in other spaces, but quite honestly, we're oftentimes invited into a space where the work towards affirmation and um, affirmation and I think helping people more fully engage has already begun. Mm -hmm. And so we come in to encourage conversation around what inclusion looks like, what it feels like, Mm -hmm. like how is it made tangible? Um, How is it made tangible? Yeah. No. So like, like, like when, with that question right there, like how is it made tangible? Like when, like when you're going into those spaces of like, churches who say oh yeah we're open and inclusive or we're like we're working towards that um mm-hmm. what kinds of like questions are you asking or is like there's some sort of metric that you're gauging with them i wouldn't say that there's a metric per se because every community is different what full participation looks like to to be involved in a community like it varies from space to space mm-hmm. but i mean are people like fully able to engage like whatever levels of engagement you have like present here so if it is like a religious community mm-hmm. are you is this an institution where people can participate in like in the the teaching, Mm -hmm. in the prayers, in, you know, leadership, you know, I mean, and that's definitely something that's true outside of like religious, specifically religious space. Mm -hmm. So like in like other like nonprofits that will look to be more inclusive, it's like, are people like represented in your leadership? Are folks, you know, taking charge of, of projects? Are there initiatives that specifically support this community in this space? All of those things, I think, go towards seeing inclusion be a priority. That way people are fully engaged, but also see themselves represented, like, in the full life of this organization or institution. But, like, one of the things I definitely advocate for people doing within, like, within a spiritual context Mm -hmm. is, like, to question what church is. And I definitely wholly understand and respect the decision of you and the other folks who are in, like, your community to stand, to create, and and to cultivate space where you are. Mm -hmm. But for some people, like, their best spiritual life isn't lived in those spaces. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's maybe a dual conversation or or just another path of conversation that needs to happen. It's like, what is spiritual community to you? How is it that Mm -hmm. you engage with God or the divine? How do you engage with others? How are you, like, spiritually uplifted and enriched? I think that's a big thing I've personally wrestled with, too, is, like, I often wonder, what am I doing? Like, you know, why do mm-hmm. I, why am, why am I sticking around? Like, like, I think like to do work like this, like sometimes it takes that kind of grit of just like, you know, the, like the, the capacity to be heartbroken over and over again and almost like let yourself be seen like by mm-hmm. the people around you. And like, and I'm not trying to like sound like a martyr. It's like something awesome, mm-hmm. but I think there is something to be said for people who decide to stick in spaces that are where people's like where people basically say like you don't like this isn't the space for you and you're saying like actually i have every right to be here mm-hmm. um letting like your active resistance be your you're just your presence in the room mm-hmm. 
No, I mean that's totally necessary. And what's the other word I'm looking for? It's 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 necessary. It's honorable, and it's and it's something that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. It absolutely needs to be done. Um, my questioning like spiritual community and like and how it is that I found it personally mm-hmm. came like years before I came out. I just got tired of like being in space and like not feeling fulfilled or like taught or feeling like I was really gleaning anything from like those experiences. And for you, what would you what would you describe as healthy spiritual community or just healthy community for people? Again, I think that really depends on who you're talking to, like what they need. I've shy away from from giving like descriptors of things mm-hmm. um, that are super specific because like people have like you know, needs that may differ from the next person's. But I mean, I think that there are just some, you know, general things that people could look for. Like, mm-hmm. is this a community that helps them be the best best version of themselves? Are people supportive and do they rally around each other, like, when needed? Whether that be in times of crisis or, you know, when someone's grieving or, you know, even for celebration. Celebration is like a need to support people where people can show up as, is they feel to show up and i mean that both in like like a literal and like you know like in a metaphorical sense mm-hmm. you know one of the my biggest irks in community is like if you like aren't somewhere for a long time and people are like oh so where have you been and it's just like i'm not here like if it happens yeah. sometimes. there are weeks sometimes where it's i won't have like the emotional or like the emotional capacity to like go to church because mm-hmm. like i if i'm already walking in like on the defensive Mm-hmm. Or if I go to church and, like, it's just making me more sad to be there, maybe I shouldn't go. And, like, mm-hmm. giving myself permission mm-hmm. to take time when I need time to, mm-hmm. like, be angry or whatever and then, like, seek mm-hmm. out community in other ways, whether it's, you know, I'm going to go have a drink with my friend. Mm-hmm. Um, or I'm going to, like, on Tuesday nights, me, I have a group of friends who, on Tuesday nights, we get together, we turn off our phones, and we just ask each other, how are you? Mm-hmm. And then we have we have a two-drink minimum. Yeah. So, <laughs> So we, uh, we just, uh, that's like, and I'm like, that's church. And then if someone, and if someone needs to be prayed for, we pray for them. Mm -hmm. And if someone needs like a resource, like we'll, we'll help them get it. And that to me, I was just like, wow, like I have a church of eight people who meets in my living room every other Tuesday ish. And like, that does more to fill me up than like going to this highly, like to like a highly produced, Mm -hmm. uh, Christian music concert that happens. And then on top of that, just like if the content from the platform is whack, I don't want to sit there and listen to that. I mean, there's so much wisdom to be gleaned in like those eight people gatherings, right? Whether or not you have like a text open in front of you, the story of your lives is text enough. It's like, what are the ways that God showed up for me? What are the ways that I showed up for somebody else that was God becoming manifest in their world? Mm -hmm. Like that's church and it's always been church. And I think that we need to get to a place where we reorient ourselves to understand that as being church. Mm -hmm. I mean, because, you know, I don't know. Like, this is something that I've been like wrestling with personally for these last, maybe like, Mm, three or four no there's definitely been more than that so four or five years Hmm. um when i look at the scriptures i see people who are working out their theology Mm -hmm. they're they're working out their relationships with god they're capturing the conversations they had with people they are speaking about the ways that they saw like the spirit show up Mm -hmm. and they like literally sometimes wrestled with the divine Mm 
these are the same things that we deal with from day to day. And so there's something holy and, and beautiful about those, those tensions and those struggles and that journey that when we only pay attention to what was said in the past and that was canonized, that we lose out on. Like when yeah. we don't live our lives, like we really go missing a lot. I also think it's like really interesting, like just to think about, or to kind of to try and imagine, like what religious space is going to look like over the course of like the next twenty or even fifty years. When, like, I mean, like when I look at, like, at least like conservative, closed-off religion, regardless of what religion you're talking about, whether it's Christianity or Judaism or any sort of religious institution, like the more closed-off they are, the more stuck they are in the ways. I feel like those are the, the spaces that are going to start dying out because people are like, people are tired of just like same old, same old, you know, spaces like you're creating with the center for inclusivity. Or when I think about like, at least like in Atlanta in general, like how interesting it is that I can, you know, organize a brunch for just like queer people of faith and how many different stories are walking in the room. Mm -hmm. Um, like that, that to me is that's church. That's the, not the new church or maybe the, the church that, (laughs) Maybe that's it's a, a church. It's a church that's always been. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's seriously, it's the church that's always been. So, like, this is the thing that I get, like, really excited about talking about. So, when I started, like, thinking about, like, what church could be, um, it made me, like, go to the Gospels and, like, look at how, like, you know, Jesus establishes the church with the folks who were there. And, like, sure, there was that time that he had gone to, you know, he he had temple time, right? Yeah. And temple time, if like we were to like translate it into like our day to day, would be the congregational church. But like, think about all the other places Jesus showed up. Jesus was kicking it on sides of mountains. Mm-hmm. He was hanging out by the river. He was like in people's homes. There were like these like very intimate encounters in common space where people were just doing life. Mm-hmm. Like they were going about their day to day, and here's this Jesus dude. He shows up. And, like, that's the place where church happened. Mm-hmm. And I think that the same is true, or it can be true for us, if we allow ourselves to to understand that that's always been part of our spiritual identity. Mm. Like, church has always had the capacity to happen in those intimate, small, day-to-day places. Like, it could be in your house. It could be at a coffee shop. And I, it's not necessarily the quote-unquote, like, house church type example, just being present with others and just speaking about life and about navigating, you know, hardship sometimes and just like where God is or isn't and what you're wrestling with or what you're not, like what you're happy about or, or what's giving you grief. That's church. Relationship mm. is church. Oriented ourselves towards one another is church. Hell, I'd argue a good portion of what happens in congregational spaces isn't church because people aren't actually in relationships with each other. Ooh, you better let them know. Yeah. Like you're spending all this time listening to this person or these people standing on a dais telling you about sacred text. Guess what? At what point is that that leadership encouraging you to turn to someone other than for like a little speaking point or a handshake or a high five, but really get to know that person, enter into a relationship with them, do life, know what they're carrying from day to day. 
Mm-hmm. Where does that happen? Because that's the work of the church. My friend Casey like says this all the time about how, like for example, this past Sunday, like I could have not spent the gas money to get here, mm-hmm. not spent like the time, like I like there was this is two hours of my life that I'm never going to get back, and I could have been mm-hmm. doing something much more productive with this two hours. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds like it. I mean, and like and like. I can, like, now, like, I have, like, I always give my, like, I didn't stay, like, after, like, he prayed and the worship band came back, I'm like, I'm going, like, I'm not, mm-hmm. I don't have, like, there's no time for this, like, I need to go do things with my life, like, if I'm gonna be here, and I mm-hmm. sent, I sent my church feedback, I'm just like, we, we're a church that, like, you know, if we're, if you are going to claim to be loving, if you're going to claim to be, like, inclusive, you're gonna claim to be diverse, if you claim to be a champion of immigrants and people of color and women, why not put a, a woman on the platform? Message. Why, why not put why not put a black person on the platform? Why not put an immigrant on the platform? Mm-hmm. Why not find some intersectional person who embodies all of that? Put them on the platform because they exist. I mean, we live in GD Atlanta. Mm-hmm. There's so, like we have an entire immigrant population in Clarkston that's full mm-hmm. of people who could get up on the stage and tell us a story that would bring us to tears and probably closer to Jesus than mm-hmm. this white person who, you know, is trying to give me some wisdom when he's never walked a day in my shoes and does, like, the wisdom you're trying to dispel on me has no consequence on my life. Yeah. (sighs) But I think that that happens when people are more concerned with concentrating powers in certain silos Mm. than actually doing the work of the church. Yeah. Because there's transformation that has to happen when people start sharing their stories. Nobody walks away the same consistently. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, Mm. if you have a woman who's there, if you have an immigrant, if you have somebody who's in the LGBT community, like, sharing their stories, it means it's challenging the assumptions that that space holds. It's challenging the way that people think about leadership. Mm -hmm. Like, everything gets pushed back at through the power of these narratives. And so I would, you know, question whether or not people want to see power if they want to invite people into community authentically, because it means that the way that the community moves and flows and works has to change. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. I think so many well-established evangelical churches, which that's like the world I work in, which is why I always reference it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's why people don't talk about these things that why like the person on the platform is always going to be like the same cookie cutter kind of person because Mm -hmm you get somebody up there who could possibly say something challenging or quote unquote dangerous. Mm-hmm. And then your model for your giving model goes out the window because people don't yep. like that. You gave the gay person a mic or the woman a mic. Um, mm-hmm. Your attendance is going to drop off. And what I think is very interesting too, is like there's a lot of people out there, especially in leadership who are a lot more progressive and a lot more woke than they're letting on. Mm-hmm. And they don't say anything because they're, I mean, honestly, like when I think of it from like a, when I zoom out of like my own emotions and my involvement, like it makes sense. Somebody who has a comfortable position has no need of talking about matters of justice, has no need to challenge Mm -hmm. the status quo because if they challenge the status quo, there goes their paycheck. You know, mm-hmm. this the status quo, like, and like, you know, if you have a family that you have to take care of, like, of course, like, it's very, very smart of you to keep your mouth shut. But mm-hmm. at what cost to the rest of your community, especially if you are claiming to be um, 
a person who follows a very radical Jesus. Mm-hmm. And right. I think that that's a question that needs to be asked and need that, you know, there's challenges that's needed in those spaces. I mean, and sometimes people will rise to the occasion. I've known, you know, pastors who have been asked that question and other like specifically like, to the, the Christian tradition, right? Because we're talking about like Christian churches. Mm-hmm. Like I've known pastors who have been asked that question and like, you know what? You're right. So let's do this. And like they completely like shake everything up and like switch gears and and start doing that hard work of like helping to to create space for their community to to question. Mm-hmm. And it's risky because they know you're right. Like they can lose their jobs, they can lose, you know, the financial backing, they can lose, you know, what whatever their lives look like, it may not look like that at the end of this process. Mm-hmm. They end up, you know, without their church, without their spouse, their communities, their people, all of those things may disappear. But like, I mean, I think that that's the beauty and the challenge Mm -hmm. and maybe sometimes the call of what it means to stand in solidarity with people. Yeah, because if you are willing to suffer the same consequences as as the people who are living out the truth of who God called them to be. Absolutely. Like one of the things that like a professor of mine had uh, had shared, we were speaking about um, about like what solidarity means in like in a liberation theology class that I took. And he's like, you know, true solidarity is breathing the same air that someone breathes. And so when certain like losses happen, when certain challenges arise, and it's and those are challenges and losses that have been experienced by people in like your community, mm-hmm. like that's reflective of a of good solidarity because you are now breathing their air Mm -hmm. you know what the quality of the water is like here like you know what it feels like to like you know walk and feel like the gravel shift beneath your feet because you're walking the same road as them instead of like being somewhere else being outside of that space and having no idea like what it means for them to to be present with you Hey friends, we're going to take a quick break from this conversation to pay a little bit of the bills and then we'll be right back with this conversation with Alicia. Like I said at the beginning of this podcast, this episode of A Tiny Revolution is brought to you by the fine folks at Studio, a headphone company that I think is seriously going to be changing the game. They actually sent me a, a, a set of their headphones to try out and let me tell y'all, this is the real deal. Um, a couple of stats about them: 24 hours of listening battery life. They can sit idle for 20 days, so if you know for some reason I'm being lazy, like they're not going to die completely. Um, they've got interchangeable ear caps. Most of their models are wireless, and they've got a 10 meter Bluetooth range, which means my ass can go to the fridge to get another Lacroix while I'm editing and listening, and not have to unplug, which for me is a huge plus. Honestly, the sound coming out of these things is incredible. So if that sounds like something that's appealing to you, why don't you go get your own? Listeners of A Tiny Revolution can get 15% off of their purchase by using offer code REVOLUTION15 at checkout. And that's on any product for forever. Say it with me, forever. So hang on to that code. Again, that's REVOLUTION15. You can go to studiosweden.com slash US. That's studio spelled S-U-D-I-O, sweden.com slash US to learn more about their products and treat yourself. Honestly, you deserve some awesome headphones, boo. (laughs) Anyways, let's get back to the conversation. 
And I think that's the thing that's the, the most frustrating thing is people in leadership who will say, oh, I love, I love my gay brothers and sisters. I really do. I love mm-hmm. them. Um, mm-hmm. And yet will will not stand with them, will not fight for them. And like, I think that the analogy you just gave is like breathing the same air. Mm-hmm. The, the genuine disconnection mm-hmm. from my life mm-hmm. and how it becomes enough for you to see me a couple times around town during the week, ask me how I'm doing, high five me mm-hmm. and not really be invested in like my life or yeah. under, or, or even attempting to understand like how hard it is for me to show up week in and week out because of this strange compulsion of the spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just, that just sucks. You know, it's, I feel trash. Like... it's a trash, it's a trash ass way to exist. There's a part of me that wonders, like, why am I still here? You know, mm-hmm. why do I choose to stick around in a space that is not, that loves me in spite of myself, rather than just loving me for me? You know? Oh, oh God, that's, that's hard. Like, that's, oh, oh, God, that's such a hard, mm-hmm. a hard thing to, to, to hold. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 like, as you were speaking, like, I was thinking about, like, relational stagnation. mm and what does it mean to to throw boundaries around what relationship can be, um, and how dangerous that is? And I think that that's a little bit of what's happening, like within like your church community, mm-hmm. is they are so sure of, of themselves and of their doctrines, and not giving room for the spirit to like to move and to to live and to breathe <laughs> um, new life and, and create new things and and push past old concepts and old ways of knowing mm-hmm. um, that there is relational stagnation. It's like, this is who we are and this is what we've done. And this is all we will ever do. Mm-hmm. Like that's a dangerous place to be. It's like, I, I like to use a marriage analogy, which the church is so fond of doing. <laughs> Come on. You wouldn't tell someone in and in getting to know their spouse that this is who this person is and who they will always be. There's always a, a deeper, deeper ways that we can know people. And there are more, there's more intimacy to be gained and to be explored. The, the, you know, the more you shift and grow and make space for that, that knowing and understanding and that movement of life. Mm-hmm. And so if you as, as a, a religious leader can't do that you are creating conditions of relational stagnation not only for the people at your church but also between you and the spirit and them in the spirit mm-hmm. you have a hindrance to the ways that people can know god because you're teaching them that god can only ever be known in this way so they don't grow and you don't grow and you're stagnant and yeah. you're in this place forever until you choose not to be yeah and the thing is like the choice is like staring the church in the face mm-hmm. like it's either I, i'm like i i ugh. it gets me so frustrated too because like it's not a matter of whether god affirms lgbtq people or not like god is already doing that mm-hmm. it's not it's not a matter of whether god empowers women to be in leadership god has already is already doing that mm-hmm. it's whether or not you like you being the big C church and any other mm-hmm. church that like limits the participation of people in the body. It's whether or, you, or not like, you know, if our call is to loose the chains of injustice, 
Mm-hmm. We should do that within our own people. Like mm-hmm. if, if we're gonna if we're called to be, you know, neither Jew nor Gentile, male nor female, slave nor free mm-hmm. in Christ Jesus, what 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 are, what are we doing then? Exactly. Like we're called we're called to free up the space and to levy those those things that would erect themselves against the knowledge of God, not mm. be the very things. And what also worries me so much mm-hmm. is because like as a person who grew up thinking and believing that God's love was for other people, like for people other than me, mm-hmm. believing that people who are holy enough, good enough, they got to experience abundant life. And I'm over here with this thorn in my flesh or whatnot. Um, it's, uh, it's hard for me to, to sit by and like let other people experience the same thing, either implicitly or explicitly. Um, mm-hmm. because you can still be a church who like allows queer people to come into your space that allows, you know, because I can talk a big game, but then, mm-hmm. you know, never, ever like it's, it's one thing to, to, to be welcoming. It's another one to be neutral, you know, mm-hmm. and neutrality is, is a myth of, of the privilege. Absolutely. So like, Absolutely. I, and it's like, and I also think about like the youth, like our youth group kids. Like I know who is teaching our youth group at our church, and I am like, want to be like, when it, like, what happens when the, when that one, you know, gay boy starts experimenting with eyeliner? What are you gonna do with that kid? You know, what are you gonna do when that one girl she starts? Oh, she's actually uh, genderqueer, and she cuts off all her hair, mm-hmm. and she wants to use they them pronouns. What are you gonna do with that? Mm-hmm. And like, like we are. <laughs> like we're like we're ignoring we're ignoring ourselves we are and, and i think i but i think that like the fact that you see this um it's beautiful and it's it's also probably indicative of a little bit of, of maybe what your call is mm. is to remind people that we're ignoring ourselves and the danger in doing that and to continue shining light on on those who wouldn't be seen. Like you're asking the important question, like who's missing from this conversation? Mm. Who's not being addressed? Who's not being acknowledged? And how do we draw them into community? Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. necessary, especially in a, in an entity that's only, only, only purpose in it for existing is to function as community. Like if a church isn't being community, then what the hell is it there for? IDK. Why? Why? Why does it exist? One thing that scares me about like mega churches too is that exact thing. Oh yeah. Is that we so one person kind of like used like the analogy of just like when Jesus fed the 5000 people, you know, they all showed up, they got fed by by literally the son of God and uh and then they went away. We don't really know what happened to those 5000 men plus their spouses or children. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know what happened to them, but we know that they got fed and hopefully that that was a positive thing in their life. And one person said, well, that's kind of like what like mega churches are doing. They're kind of like feeding the 5,000 who are getting a positive word and then going away. And then on maybe the closer to proximity to discipleship to Jesus, like those people are getting there, but just, I just don't trust it. Like, um, I don't know I, if I, I don't know if I buy I, that. I wholly understand. And, um, <laughs> and low key, high key, all the keys agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, the question that I've asked about mega churches, and there are some 
that do things a lot more effectively than others. And I've had to kind of like eat a little crow over the years when I've actually seen like mega churches showing up mm. for communities. It's like, all right, so some of y'all are doing this okay. Yeah. But one of the questions I have is like part of having an active spiritual life is engagement. Mm-hmm. And so what happens in a culture that like that kind of bends towards elitism of right. sorts when someone who's a teacher doesn't have the capacity to teach mm. and a preacher who will never preach and who's a singer who can never lift their voice because they're not part of the elite. They're not known. There are thousands of people in this church and they're like, maybe not like, you know, on that. I don't, I don't know. Like that is real hot and flow, but mm. like they've got a good voice and they've got a song to sing. And they've got a, a, the spirits put a, a song in their heart, but they don't ever have the space to exercise that. Mm-hmm. And that's the question that I've I've had, like honestly, for the better part of the last ten years after coming out of mega church culture, because um, I used to like minister and like and work in a mega church context in my like early twenties. Oh, wow! Like, what did mm-hmm. it mean for all of those people who didn't get a chance to actually like flex their spiritual muscles? Yeah. They didn't get a chance to exercise anything because they weren't the elite. They weren't the the, the ones who were seen Mm -hmm. as the most talented. They they didn't have talent, but they weren't seen as such by those in leadership. Yeah, because they weren't, you know, the white, sexy, hot pastor. Mm -hmm. Or, I mean, in the case where I was at, they, you know, were the Latino, like, sexy, Mm -hmm. hot pastor or whatever, like, their identities were. There are mm. all these people who aren't living the fullness of their spiritual lives because there's part of like their giftings that never get access in spaces mm-hmm. where there's no room for them to do it. That happens. You know, mm-hmm. you've got a very, very particular look mm-hmm. on the platform. You got a very particular yeah. aesthetic. And you're mm-hmm. like, you know, and it's very interesting. Like, if like I people ask me like oh kevin where do you go to church like oh i go to grace midtown like oh is it an inclusive church i'm like no you should probably go elsewhere to be honest i'm there trying to cause a revolution honestly Mm -hmm. and just like i don't want to like want to bring people into my my mess i'm just like i wanted them to go somewhere where they can like thrive fully because like i because it's like it's like i want you to go somewhere where your full giftings can be honored and i also think about this in terms of like um i'm going i'm starting seminary in the fall and mm-hmm. I know my second year, I have to do practical ministry in a church. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder, I'm just like, is this church that I've like signed the papers for, like signed the paperwork for to become an official member. And I've been a member of this church for a year. Mm-hmm. Are they going to foster that? Like my pastor wrote my recommendation, which was also the same pastor who told me that I couldn't lead a house church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, what are you going to do when you know, my second year rolls around and I say, Hey, like I need you to be my pastor right now and provide me an opportunity to thrive and grow and to fulfill my call. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you going to do, bruh? Bruh. And I think that that is an excellent question for him to have to wrestle with both relationally with you and also with God. It's mm-hmm. like, I can stand behind this person enough to tell an institution to accept them so they can delve into like, you know, just theological text and discourse and and be stretched but will i let them exercise with that stretching causes them to like t- to surface mm-hmm. to work to see manifest 
that's going to be a heck of a question that they have to. <laughs> to mm-hmm. Some Ooh. people ask me why I stay in the church, and I say it's because I'm a petty ass bitch. <laughs> <laughs> or prophetic. You, you know? know? Sometimes petty. you have to, you got to speak to things. <laughs> Yo, petty or prophetic? That's the question of my life. <laughs> Yo, that's a book. Petty and prophetic. Look. Let's let's co-write this, Alicia. We got this. Let's do it. (laughs) And that is my conversation with my friend Alicia Crosby. Babe, thank you for sitting down with me. I had such a good time. We need to do that again because I miss you. Um, Anyways, you can follow Alicia Crosby on Twitter at Promise Chaser. And you can find her work with CFI at centerforinclusivity.org. And you can see her speaking this October in Chicago at the Reformation Project. Again, all the information and tickets can be found at reformationproject.org. Thank you once again for listening to this podcast. And thank you, as per usual, to all my amazing supporters on Patreon. If you didn't know, this work is uh, it's not, it's not cheap all the time. It's time-consuming like to sit down and have a conversation and then balance the sound and edit the sound and cut everything together and cut out all the awkward parts where I say, uh, or mm, or you know it's like, and to make everybody sound better um, so that you're not listening to me rambling the whole time. It, it does take time to make a podcast that is good enough to put out there for the rest of the world. Um, so if, uh, if you enjoy a product that takes time to create, if you enjoy, um, things like the YouTube channel that I've been putting out recently, where we're talking about intersections of Christian faith, sexuality, and how do we talk about the Bible and LGBT inclusion. If you enjoy the blogs that I create, where it's trying to help people live a better life and try to figure out how to do this whole advocacy thing while also living as queer people or marginalized people in the world, then I would really, really love for you to come alongside me and help support me through Patreon. It's a way for you to give financially and a way for you to help this work go beyond just the few times a month I'm able to produce something. If we, The more support we have, the more content we can create. So thank you so much again for your support on Patreon. If you want more information on that, go to patreon.com slash thekevingarcia and you can get all the information there. Additionally, if you do like this podcast, why not go over and rate it on iTunes? Leave us a review and honestly, it, it, share this with people. Tweet it right now. Right now, while you're sitting here, there's an app within the app within your podcast app, if you're listening on iPhone, where you can tweet this or share this on Facebook. Because honestly, word of mouth is the best way to spread podcasts around. So do, do me a favor. Tell your friends. Tell your mama. Tell your daddy. Tell your boyfriend, girlfriend. Tell your partner. Tell whoever you can about a tiny revolution and how much fun we're having over here occur um and i'm also frankly i'd love to hear from you so if you want to leave a comment about this podcast or ask a question go to thekevingarcia.com and drop me a line or comment in the blog that has this podcast on it because honestly it'd be so great to hear from you that's all from me i'll be back soon with another fun conversation and until then i hope you remember that you are loved take your medicines and go to your go see a therapist um do some yoga drink some water tell somebody that you love them and know that I'm hugging you from here. Have a great rest of your week and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much for listening to A Tiny Revolution. Again, my name is Kevin Garcia and I will see you soon. Bye!
<laughs> Some people ask me why I stay in the church, and I say it's because I'm a petty ass bitch. <laughs> <laughs>